All right, would you please join me as we do each week in opening up a Bible uh, this week to Matthew chapter 7. If you are joining us, do not have a Bible, we encourage you to use one of these blue pew Bibles that you'll find in the pew in front of you, and you can find Matthew 7 on page 812. If you're joining us and do not own a Bible and would like one, we are always welcoming for you just to take this home with you. Don't even have to ask. Um, And would always love the opportunity to get our Bibles in the hands of people who do not yet have them. But when I was in college, uh, there is this group called the Barna Group. Maybe you've heard of them. They're basically a Christian-based research firm. And the director at the time of the Barna Group uh, put out a book And it was called Unchristian, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity. And being that it was in my junior year of college that God, uh, after being raised in the church, but then drifted from him, my kind of own uh, decision and poor decisions, that it was my junior year that God drew me back to himself in a pretty powerful and surprising way, Um, I immediately had this passion being surrounded by college students in my generation of how I could reach them. And so I remember going through this book, and the rough outline of the book is taking these large-scale surveys of those who were either uh, what you'd call de-churched, maybe they grew up with religion in some way, but then in their young adult years walked away, or those who maybe never grew up in a church altogether and tried to identify what are the major, major reasons and what are the major obstacles that keep them from seeing Christianity as a viable option. And one of the top three reasons shared across these large-scale surveys was that 87% of non-church goers in this generation, that's nearly nine out of every ten questioned, said that the word judgmental was an accurate description of Christians. And not only that, this book also included surveys done by young Christians who are in the church and active in the faith, kind of asking the same things. And amongst active young Christians, 53%, still more than half of professing believers, said that judgmental accurately described Christians. It's an undeniable reality, both then and now, that the topic of judgment is this major obstacle for many outside the church, and probably many more than we realize inside the church An obstacle for us being faithful, God-glorifying, a kind of salty and bright witness, both in the church and outside of it. And even if you hear those stats, and maybe your first inclination is, ah, that's probably a little bit overblown, or why do we need to care what the world thinks of us so much? We could have that conversation to an extent, but we cannot deny that the widespread, widespread perception of the church is that we're judgmental, And it's a big enough reason for people never to actually look into Christianity altogether. So, this topic of judgment, it's familiar in the church and yet, at the same time, very misunderstood. Both in terms of God's judgment towards us, but also our judgment towards one another. And so, with that said, I am, as surprising as it might be to hear, grateful that we are coming to a point in this series where Jesus is going to teach a lot on judgment over the next several weeks. 
If you're just joining us, we're in the midst of a sermon series we began in January on the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard of the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's contained in Matthew 5 through 7, the kind of longest stretch of Jesus' teaching in the Bible. And so this morning we begin chapter 7, the, the kind of third leg of this sermon. It's got some familiar lines, including some this morning you've probably heard before. But by and large, I think this is the chapter that is the most neglected in the Sermon on the Mount, the most overlooked. And there's a few reasons for that, but one big one is that it talks a lot about judgment. And it's not something we love to hear about. So, with that said, I'm grateful for where we are, where the Lord has us this morning. I'm grateful you're here or tuning in online. And we're going to read Matthew 7, 1 through 6. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. All right, here's where we're going this morning. This passage gives us three warnings related to judgment. Three warnings related to judgment. Number one, beware of a judgmental spirit. Speaking to Christians, followers of Christ, beware of a judgmental spirit. Matthew 7.1 is a verse you will find stated often, and often from a defensive posture, maybe more than any other verse in the Bible, by both believers and non-believers alike. Judge not that you be not judged. And maybe you've heard it or seen it spoken in kind of a different translation, but basically the line is, don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Don't judge me. And then they might see, this is the verse, right? Look, Jesus, your Jesus said it himself. Judge not. So case closed. Can we close in prayer? Go to the newcomer's lunch? You might think that'd be nice, but here's what we find. There's a lot more going on here, but it really is, 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 is the posture of a Christian saying, don't judge, ever. I think Jesus in his teaching, and by extension the rest of the Bible's teaching on the topic, distinguishes between, and this is I think the foundational point of the sermon and the passage, there's the difference between making judgments and having a judgmental spirit. And it is difficult to overestimate how important it is to understand the difference and then live accordingly, right? To, to live a life that's glorifying to God, yes. To build up one another in the church, yes. But then also to have a faithful witness to an outside world that is watching. So let's talk about this difference between making uh, true, sound judgments and then toward having a judgmental spirit towards others, and, and we have to be nuanced with this because, again, somebody might say, I don't know, I see Jesus saying, judge not, and now you're trying to tell me that doesn't just mean all judgment. How am I getting this? 
Well, first and foremost, we'll see it from Jesus himself. If you still have your Bibles open, look again at verse 6. We'll get there to unpack it in a little bit, but just take a glance at it, which he, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. In order to obey that command, his disciples will need to use judgment to know who are the dogs, who are the pigs. The only way you would know that is if you use judgment to know who and who am I not supposed to give what is holy. And then aside from that, I think we just know experientially that it's impossible to live your life without judging others. Every single day, every single person uses judgment towards other people. We kind of use other words towards it, and I think maybe for clarity purposes that's helpful. We'll use the word discernment. You go throughout your life and you discern. But the reality is all of us, every single person you meet, whether it's the first time or you're seeing them on a regular basis, you're judging them all the time. And that's not bad in and of itself. It's human basic instinct that we, based upon situational circumstances, need to use good judgment to, at times, protect ourselves from this person or to know how we can help and give of ourselves to this person the only way you know that is through good, sound judgment. And so, in some ways, that's such a simple point, I don't have to over-explain it, and yet, that obvious truth right there kind of gets thrown out the window when somebody gives the blanket statement, don't judge me, and we know we say it, and we probably think it more than we say it, and the irony of that statement is that when you say, don't judge me, you're making a judgment about the person that they're judging you. And oftentimes what we're saying or thinking when we say don't judge me is, you can't disagree with me. How dare you disagree with me? You're judging me. So sound judgment is required for healthy, purposeful living. And yet we still got to deal with this because I'm looking at my Bible and I'm seeing Jesus say, judge not. So what's he warning against? He's warning against a judgmental spirit. And knowing the difference makes all the difference. Again, for clarity purposes, we might think of this as being critical. A critical spirit that thrives upon bringing other people down so we can prop ourselves up. Again, sometimes to their face, more times than not in our own heads or to somebody else. But in the passage we saw last week at the end of chapter 6, if you heard, uh, Jesus said, do not be anxious about your life. But we said in that sermon that there is a good angst that you can have that God has given you for the kingdom of God. It's good to be anxious for the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. But then there's a bad angst that's rooted in self-centeredness. And in the same way, now he says in the next passage, do not be judgmental. Again, there's good judgment that can glorify God, that can love your neighbor well. But then there is the bad judgment that is now rooted in self-righteousness. And that difference between good judgment and a judgmental spirit may not be as obvious on the surface, but at the heart level, there is this grand canyon of a difference between the two. So again, clarity purposes, let's think about this in terms of critiquing others. The most foundational litmus test that distinguishes between wise critique and a critical spirit is that wise critique seeks to build others up. That's why you would give wise, constructive criticism, to build them up. A critical spirit, however, seeks to tear them down. 
Wise critique notices faults, but a critical spirit hopes to find them. Always on the search of where we can be critical and maybe justify some of our negative thoughts that we've already had towards a person. Maybe a couple examples of what a judgmental spirit might look like will be helpful, not just from the church towards the world, but also within the body of Christ. A judgmental spirit will make major conclusions about someone based upon a singular observation. We see the kind of car somebody drives, we see the size house somebody lives in, and we go, that person must be greedy materialistic. They probably don't love their neighbor well. We see a single post on social media or a single line that they say, and we make the sweeping conclusion that person has an unhealthy hatred towards their country. Or they conflate their love for this country on the same level as they do for Jesus. Taking a singular observation and making a major conclusion. Think about COVID this past year. I mean, we've all probably seen it, maybe been part of it, where people have expressed their thoughts on COVID, and we see or hear one thing they say, and they go, they don't care about anybody except themselves. They, 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 all they, you know, they don't care about protecting others. They just care about themselves and what they've lost. Conversely, oh, that person is so anxious about COVID. They must not trust the Lord at all in this. I mean, where's your trust for the Lord? Those are maybe examples of a judgmental spirit. Some other things that we might hear somebody pray once, and we're so impressed by it, we think, that is a mature Christian. Did you hear what they said? Conversely, we might hear someone stumble over words in their prayer and think, oh, it's obvious, they never pray on their own. They just got exposed. I think we could go on and on, but I hope at this point you recognize the point of thinking you have someone pegged based upon a minor observation. Another example would be expressing a strong opinion without knowing all the facts and really not caring to know about them either. And what happens is, and I know you've all heard the phrase, confirmation bias. When it comes to a judgmental spirit, it's more about the person than even the point at hand. Where there's a person we already don't like, so we point out a flaw in that person But if somebody we do like does the same thing, we're kind of silent about it. There's a public figure, again, you already don't like for various reasons, and they do or say something wrong, and the reaction is, cancel them immediately. But then there's someone we like who does the same thing, and we say, shouldn't we show some grace? Aren't we all kind of mess up? So, at the heart level, there is a massive difference between sound judgment and a judgmental spirit. And Christians, can we just look in the mirror here? Here's where we can be really sneaky with this, is that when you're around church enough, you can use the religious language that sounds good, but at the heart, you know you're just being really, really critical. Right? We say, we're speaking the truth in love. Or, I just want to raise a concern. All the while we are inwardly trying to wound, even though if it looks like we're trying to heal. So this gets murky for us. So if that is what Jesus is saying, why is he saying it? 
and, and, and dial in with me here because this should sober us. Jesus says our judgment toward others sets the tone for the judgment that will be used towards us. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. So hang with me. This is where it gets nuanced, I, I know, and it's hard to communicate it briefly in a sermon, but I'm going to try. As we think about judgment, we must be careful not to contradict what is clear in Scripture. Jesus is not saying that your salvation is contingent on whether or not you judge others well. Because that would contradict the gospel. Because that would imply you're saved by your works. And that is a false gospel that many people believe. That if you just live a good life, you get to the end of your life. God will look at your body of work. He'll see how you did. If you did well, you go to heaven. If you don't do well, you go to hell. And many people, if you ask them, hey, are you a Christian? They might say back to you, yes, because I'm a good person. I do good things. But scripture is clear. That's not what salvation is. Salvation is through the work of Jesus Christ alone, who died for our sins on the cross, paid for them in full, as evidenced by the resurrection, and that forgiveness for sin is offered to those who believe in him as Lord and Savior by faith and faith alone. That we cannot save ourselves, God saves us. And yet, and here where it gets a little tricky, the Bible also says that on Judgment Day, there will be a time where your body work will be evaluated after you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That there are rewards in eternity that will be based in large part by the standard of judgment you use for others. There's many passages where this is spoken, but none more plainly than James chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. All believers will be judged, but teachers of God's word, leaders in the church, will be judged with a greater strictness, in large part because what we do is call other people to obey and follow him. And and being a church leader requires a lot of judging, so to speak, to protect and care for and feed the sheep as under-shepherds of the great shepherd. I want to finish this point with an illustration I heard years ago from Tim Keller, who he himself got it from a man named Francis Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer was more in the 60s and 70s, and you'll hear why, based on the name of this illustration. It's called the Invisible Tape Recorder. So let's bring it to 2021. Let's call it the Invisible Recording Device. He says, every person walks around with an invisible recording device around your neck, recording everything you say or think across your life. And when you become the Lord on, when you come before the Lord on Judgment Day, God will unclasp that recorder from you and say, this is Schaefer writing, I'm going to judge you by your own words. Because this tape recorder only recorded throughout your life whenever you said or thought to someone else, you ought or you should. This tape recorder has only recorded your standards for the people around you. Therefore, I'm not going to judge you by anything other than the standards by which you judged people your entire life. Our judgment for others sets the tone for the judgment we set for ourselves. That's number one. Beware of a judgmental spirit. Let's go to number two. Beware of hypocritical judgment. Similar 
but some differences here. Again, this passage offers a very familiar line that you might have heard before. Um, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Again, related to the point Jesus just made, but um, when you have a judgmental spirit, what you will naturally end up doing is pointing out every little thing that is wrong with others without truly reflecting on our own problems first. And so Jesus gives a word picture that's meant to be ridiculous. It's meant to be hard to even envision in your mind because the word for log means just a large piece of wood. And the word for speck means a piece of sawdust. So picture somebody with a large piece of wood stuck in their eye trying to get a piece of sawdust out of another person's eye. But whether we like it or not, this hypocritical judgment is what the world often sees, sees or perceives to see from people in the church. That the Christians seem to always be the first ones to point out everything else that's wrong. Everything else that's corrupt or evil about society and then never ever seem to own up to their own issues. And so while we might be right to say that, hey, people who call the church judge, like, judgmental, are they themselves judging? While we might be right to say that, let's not be so fast to let ourselves off the hook. 87%. And is it possible that we are slow or even neglect doing the hard work of confessing what's wrong within before we go out and point out what's wrong in others? Jerry Bridges wrote a book called Respectable Sins. And the idea behind the book is to talk about the kind of subtle sins that that Christians tend to lose sight of in the process of being so preoccupied with the public major sins of others in the church or in the world. And he's got a chapter called Judgmentalism. And he says about this verse in Matthew 7, quote, the seriousness of the sin of judgmentalism is not so much that I judge my brother as that in doing so, I assume the role of God. It's a dangerous, sobering thought that when you judge others and are judgmental towards others, you're not just rebelling against God, you are implying that you're taking the place of God. You know, one of the things I find myself increasingly passionate about in my own life as I pastor this church is to help us see that to be a faithful witness to the glory of God, to be truly salty and bright in this world, that we must not see the world as someone, something to overcome, that we are a church family and we look at the world and we go, we got to win. There's a battle we need to win, and if we don't win the battle and the war against the world, then we lose. But rather, to see us increasingly as a church that sees the world as people to be reached, not to be beaten. Hypocritical judgment will not only negatively impact our witness in the world, but it will show the world that when it happens in the church that we can't even treat each other with love. When we think about evangelizing the world, we shouldn't first think about how do we share the gospel with them. The best way to be an evangelist is to first and foremost love your church well. A church that loves one another is a beautiful picture for others to see. And so judgmental spirit of hypocrisy not only hurts our chances with the world, but it tears us up in here, our own relationships in the church. So what's the solution to both build up the church and reach the world? 
Jesus just said it here, okay? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck of your brother's eye. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time that you tried to take something out of somebody else's eye? So I write my sermons on Wednesdays, okay? Let's paint the picture from this last week. On Fridays, my day off, I'm playing outside with the kids, our oldest, six years old, and Caden says, Dad, I think I got something in my eye. And I was like, perfect! I just wrote about this two days ago. So as you'll see, I'm getting all kind of ready to kind of do it. I'm like being really careful. I like barely graze his skin first. And he's just like, dad, is there something in my eye? And I was like, nah, I don't think so. And he's like, all right. And he runs away in like two seconds. I was like, okay, that wasn't exactly what I was envisioning there. But, um, but the reality is at some point in your life, somebody's going to say, hey, I think there's something in my eye. And the eye is the most sensitive part of the body to human touch. So if you actually want to do it, we all kind of know what you, how it is set up. The approach has to be one of gentleness, of great care, and patience. Because if you go into somebody's eye quick and rough and forceful, not only will you never get the result you want, but what will happen? What's the eye do? It shuts. If it notices something's coming at it, quick, forceful, not caring, it shuts. It closes itself off. And that's the word picture. In the same way, if you're going to critique someone with the right spirit, the approach can never be quick, harsh, and forceful, but one that is taken with great care and patience and thoughtfulness in hopes of helping them, not just cutting them down and hurting them more. But you know what? Jesus does not say, never judge, right? That's not the message either. He's not saying, just always keep your mouth shut. You worry about you. Never judge anybody in the church. Never judge anybody outside the church. He's not saying, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye, but rather deal with the log first. Because the other aspect of actually taking something out of somebody else's eye is that you have to be clear-eyed to even have a chance. And the feeling of wanting to critique someone is not necessarily a bad feeling. You see something, it was wrong, it felt wrong. It's not wrong to point that out. But what Jesus is saying is that when that feeling comes across you, just take a moment. Take a moment. Reflect and judge yourself first. Because none of us are perfect. We all have our own issues. And when we actually deal with those first, it puts us in the right frame of mind to approach someone else. Because in the act of removing that log from your own eye... That's painful. That's humbling. There's a pain associated with knowing that I fall short, that I have my own issues, that I'm not perfect, that I'm reliant upon God's grace myself. And then when that's the posture, now when you do approach somebody else to address the speck in their eye, you're not sitting out to condemn them, but you want them to be free from that just like you have been freed from it. Because you know what it's like to have the pain associated with it. And so now your approach and your posture is gentle and careful and done with patience. 
I'm just going to make this point quickly here, but we, we're talking more one-to-one scenarios, but this is also very true for churches. There's a corporate aspect to this of church discipline. Church discipline, when carried out the right way, seeks to restore those who have sinned um, unrepentantly and blatantly in a way uh, that needs to be dealt with in order to protect the church, let alone restore them. And a church that does not carry out discipline leaves their church in danger. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, there's a story of a man in the city of Corinth who was part of a church that was sleeping with his mother's wife, and he was doing it um, just blatantly boasting about it, and the church leaders were doing nothing about it, and Paul is writing them and saying, what are you doing? Exercise discipline upon him for his good and for the protection of the church. Don't you know it just takes a little bit of unaddressed sin? To ruin a church. And then importantly, he sums up his teaching on this by saying, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? But isn't it those inside the church you are to judge? God judges those outside, he says. But you in the covenant community, this is what you're tasked to do. With the right spirit, in the hopes to restore the person involved and to protect the church. So Jesus says, don't, uh, don't neglect judgment, but rather clear your own eyes first. It will keep you from becoming a hypocrite and will give you the right approach. Okay, last point. And we're going to verse 6. And verse 6, if you notice while we were reading it, takes a left turn. Let me read it again. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them from underfoot and turn to attack you. This verse in contrast to the ones before it, does not get quoted very often because at first past, it's confusing. It seems to be disconnected from everything we just heard. And yet, it's this verse where Jesus brings clarity to the discussion, not confusion. First, he warned of a judgmental spirit. Second, he warned of hypocritical judgment. And now, listen, third, beware of a lack of judgment. Beware of a lack of judgment. Because lest anyone hear those verses before it and say, hey, look, Jesus is saying, don't judge anybody, which we already knew was impossible, but now Jesus says a lack of judgment can be just as costly. Admittedly, to our modern ears, we need to do some extra work here in this verse because dogs in the first century are not the way we think about dogs in 2021. Okay, in the first century, they were not house pets, that got treated as well, if not better, than most of our children. <laughs> dogs were wild animals that traveled in packs and were scavengers or were considered dangerous. Uh, maybe for our modern ears, we can think more like coyotes. And then pigs were mentioned in various ways in Scripture, pretty much never positive. Elsewhere in the New Testament, they were associated with false teachers. So if Jesus is referring to those people who are hostile to the gospel message as well as to its messengers. Jesus is saying, use judgment, good judgment, in whom you are witnessing to, spending time with, sharing the good news with, and don't waste time on people, listen, who will trample the message and possibly hurt you in the process. 
A few chapters later in Matthew 10, Jesus will give an extended teaching here. He's sending out his 12 apostles on their first missionary journey. They're to go out to those within, uh, within the Jewish people to witness to, and he gives all these instructions of how they should go about it, including verse 14. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. You know what he's saying? Move on. You have to use sound judgment to know where to spend your best energy and who to spend it on. You know why, guys? Because time is precious for all of us. We don't know how much time we have left, but we know the mission is in front of us. The harvest is full. The workers are few. Move on to the people and the places where the soil is fertile, and don't waste time on the people who are hostile to your message. All right, give me a couple minutes. Let's put these together and close. Jesus is teaching his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount how to live as faithful members of the kingdom of God while living in the world. Remember back, be salt and light, and then the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is, what's it look like to be salt and light? And here he tells us that a right understanding of judgment is vital for faithful living. Again, there are certain topics where it's hard to say, how is this relevant to our lives? This one's not that hard. Every single day, we make choices and make judgments. And every day, we have a choice. Am I going to be judgmental, or am I going to use sound judgment? And so he says, beware of that spirit that just seeks to tear down others. Beware of being a hypocrite that deals harshly with others and never with yourself. But finally, beware of a lack of judgment, too, so that we might most effectively be the kind of gospel witness that God has called us to be to the glory of his name. Jesus says this because he has the authority to say this, because Jesus modeled it himself in the most powerful way, and that Jesus did not come with a judgmental spirit, but he came rather with a spirit and conviction to die for those who are judgmental towards him. Rather than coming to earth and finding all the reasons why he should keep us as outsiders, he chose the path to be the means of grace through which we were brought into the family of God. The judgment he embodied was not one to shame us, but to adopt us as sons and daughters of the Father, to welcome us into the family by embodying that judgment on himself. That's why we can do this, because he did it first. And he not only modeled it, he provided the power for it. And that's the story we're welcomed into if we would take it. And to live that out day after day in a spirit of humility and love to his glory alone. For the good of the church, for the faithful witness to a watching world. And so at this point, the only message is, church, let's go. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word that it says that it is your kindness that leads to repentance, that no one has ever been judged into the kingdom of God. And so, Father, since we were on the receiving end of those of your kindness, those who have put, put their faith in you, I pray that we now will have the strength and courage and compassion to live a life that reaches a world through kindness, not a judgmental spirit, Lord. But we need help here each and every day, Lord, keep us humble. Keep our eyes fixed upon you. Let it be for the glory of your name. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.